This is part three of the four-part podcast, What the Beginner Yogi Should Know About Spiritual Experience. I think I mentioned this before, but I'll tell it again. There was this man, a very exuberant young man and very likable uh, from Italy. And uh, he was there in India and was often around in Anandamoyama. And I don't know where he got the idea, but he wore always wore a mint green, almost like a dress. Uh, it was a one-piece <laughs> thing. Only came down to about his knees and had short sleeves. And, uh, of course, he loved the ecstatic devotee kind of uh, game. And one time, uh, when it was Krishna's birthday, uh, they were singing some very special, very beautiful uh, devotional songs about Krishna. And uh, Benudi, who was one of the uh, people that traveled with Ananda Mahima most of the time, who was the sister of the king of Nepal, uh, played the flute, the bamboo flute, very beautifully. And so during all this singing, she went, she got her flute, and stood off to the side and was playing this kind of what they call obligato over the singing. It was beautiful. So then the next day, this young man looks at us all and kind of frowns a little bit, and he said, tell me, yesterday during the singing, did any of you hear a flute? You see? Because he wanted to think, <laughs> I heard Krishna himself. I heard Krishna's. Oh, yes, yes, I'm a devotee, I'm a devotee. I heard Krishna play his flute. And so, <laughs> uh, being a spoiled sport, I said, well, sure, it was Benedy. Didn't you see her? She was playing the flute. She often does this uh, when devotional music <laughs> is sung. Well, that was a big come down. Uh, but I'm sure he invented something else later on. And <laughs> this is the way it goes. So the problem is, is this a test or and is it a success or is it a failure? Okay. All mm -hmm. right. Now, let's go to the next point. Uh, two questions. Now, the first question is a little chancy because it deals with the intellect and the intellect and the ego are pals. Uh, but you need to say, mm -hmm. did I learn anything from it? Did, did mm -hmm. I learn something? Do I know more than I knew then? Has it changed anything? Mm -hmm. Or is it just like, oh, I saw Krishna, he was so beautiful. Oh, I'll just never forget it. Well, you know, you could say, oh, I went to the great mountains and I was awed when I saw how beautiful they were, you know, mm -hmm. uh, how beautiful I see the scenery, how odd I was when I saw the ocean. That doesn't mean a great deal. The next question, and that's an important question, which is not a palatable question for people who are hoping to be self-deluded, and that is, has it changed my awareness in any way? Has it had an actual effect on me? 
Am I stronger in my insight or am I stronger in my aspirations or my determinations? Do I now meditate more than I did before? Mm -hmm. uh, is, is my meditation deeper and wider than it was before? And that's the only thing that matters because people have all kinds of experiences and they can just sound wonderful. But the truth is, they're just smoke that will melt away and vanish the way smoke does when it rises into the air. And mm -hmm. nothing of significance has happened. And it can be a very, very great harm to them. So you just say, am I closer to the goal now than I was before? And it doesn't matter if you feel wonderful, you feel devotional, and oh my goodness, Glory, glory be to the God. That's just your effusion. That's like when you got a new toy. You were a little kid. You got a toy. You loved it. You were so happy. You took it with you everywhere. It was a teddy bear. You slept with it. It was a little pull toy. You pulled it everywhere. And, you know, you might even drive people crazy <laughs> with it. It was a toy that made noise. And that's all it is. That's all it is, you see? Mm-hmm. So this is really important. Uh, there was a, one of my friends, one of my yogi friends, had when he was uh, when he was young. He had uh, he was actually living in San Francisco, and uh, you see, there are people they don't want to do anything for God. Like, oh, well, that would be drastic if I did that. They think. Mm -hmm. But Elwood wanted to be an artist, and his family told him it was a stupid idea. He was 16 years old. He ran away from home. I mean, he didn't contact his family or anything. He ran away from his home. He went to San Francisco. He got a job. He got some money, and he went to art school. Hmm. Yeah, eventually he even sometimes taught at UCLA. I mean, he succeeded. Well, mm -hmm. anyway, when he was there in the art school, he shared a room with another art student. And the art student uh, was religious. And one time he had a vision, he felt, of the Virgin Mary. And, I mean, it was very, very striking to him. And when he had this experience, but here was the effect. He felt that she was so holy that in comparison, he was a vile, terrible person. Oh, wow. And he went into depression, and he committed suicide. Now, oh, wow. he, did not, he, he did not see the Virgin Mary, obviously. Yeah. So you see, or people do that. I knew a man, I'm not kidding you, who he lived in America for a while, I mean, he was born in America, and then after some time, he went to India. And in India, he was always mentally off, I think, from mm -hmm. birth. I mean, he, when he was something like five years old or so, his parents took him to a psychiatrist. And uh, he believed he had revelations. Some of his revelations were 
were incredible. No one that was sane would believe them. And so anyway, one time in my visit there, and I uh, talked to people who knew him, and they said, well, he had a dream. And in a dream, he was told he was the king of India. And he believes he is the king of India, and he claims to be the king of India. Okay? Mm -hmm. Then he had another revelation that he was to start an ashram that would be the most renowned ashram in all of India and that thousands upon thousands of people would come there for his spiritual wisdom. And in fact, uh, that particular trip, I talked to him and he told me that he was writing a commentary on the Brahma Sutras. This is a very, very abstract spiritual um, treatise. It's, it's not really too sure who wrote it. It's usually felt that the sage Vyasa, who also wrote the, wrote the Bhagavad Gita, wrote it. But it's very ancient Sanskrit. It's very obscure. It's very difficult to understand. So he told me, that even Shankaracharya, the great philosopher, did not understand the Brahma Sutras, but that he understood the Brahma Sutras. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that he was writing, and it was going to be the only time that the world would ever discover what was the meaning of the Brahma Sutras. He also did things such as uh, I remember this one man said, well, you know, a few weeks back, he dreamed that his grandmother died. So at about two in the morning, he left uh, the house where he was staying, and he came back at about 10 or 11. And I asked him, what have you been doing all this time? Oh, he said, my grandmother died, and I was standing in the Ganges reciting mantras for her, for the repose of her soul. Well, grandma wasn't dead, but that didn't, that didn't matter at all. It didn't, uh, it wasn't even a blip on his uh, delusional radar. Mm -hmm. So just think, he thought he was the king of NDA. He thought he understood <laughs> all, all of these things. It's incredible. Then uh, and, and I want to talk a little more. I want to know, this sounds like a long talk about this person. But you see, it sees how it can stack up and you still don't realize I am nuts. Yeah. Um, a very uh, insincere woman came to India and hung around uh, in ashram where, where he was. And she had a daughter who was about seven years old, okay? Mm -hmm. And this man decided that God wanted him to marry the little girl, okay? Oh, and that he would perform a great, great fire sacrifice and would take the uh, blessed items from the fire sacrifice and feed them to the little girl who would then get pregnant 
and would give birth to an avatar. Okay? Yep. All right, all right. Now, see, and this is not extreme. This is not extreme at all. Uh, there was a, was a spiritual publisher in India that published a woman's description of her enlightenment, okay? And the description was just of her nervous system going completely haywire. Mm. And yet, even in India, people read it and thought, oh, well, isn't that impressive? So, and again, most of these delusional people uh, end up utterly in the ash heap somewhere, or they kill themselves. Mm. This, is, this is not an unknown thing. They often suddenly decide, I've attained the ultimate, I don't need to live, and so I should commit suicide. I met a man that that happened to, mm. and he didn't get sensible. He decided he was living in the Mayas, and he thought, well, there's no reason for me to live anymore. So I'm just going to find, um, you know, a, a precipice and just jump off and kill myself because I've got nothing further to attain and there's no reason for me to live. Well, not realizing <laughs> that if you've really attained that much, if you really have nothing to live for, well, by your yoga powers, you just step out of your body. Listen next to the last part of this four-part podcast about what the beginner yogi should know about spiritual experience.